Hello and welcome to another episode of the Church Collective podcast. My name is Simon and I'm the lead pastor of Church Collective, a network of microchurches, or as we call them, collectives, that started in September 2021. Now, today, it's just me on the podcast. I'm not interviewing anybody, nor are there any other people contributing with a short thought segment, which means I'm going to ask you to input to this yourself by taking moments of quiet for you to reflect and think very intentionally. But wait, before you turn the podcast off, hear me out. Because what I want you to do today is just answer a few questions and really consider what those answers might mean for you in your life. I'm not asking anything else of you other than to prayerfully listen, engage, and consider. Are you up for that today? Let's start with this first question which I want you to reflect on and consider just for a few short moments. What is prayer? There are many succinct answers to this question, and I mentioned a few in the last episode when we looked at how and why do we pray. Now, if you missed that episode, please go back and check it out. But my short answer to what is prayer, I would say is a two-way conversation with God. Now, let's just break that phrase down for a second. It has to be two-way. Otherwise, our prayers just feel like a list of requests to God. My prayers are this, this, and this. Whereas a two-way conversation means we must both speak and listen. Hearing directly from God through our thoughts, our feelings, and on occasions, an audible voice. And prayer for me is a conversation. So it isn't just a one-way monologue and then a period of silence where I hope to hear from God. It is back and forth. There are periods of speaking, then listening, then speaking and listening, speaking and listening, and so on. And all of my prayers are to God through the Holy Spirit. What is prayer? Well, what I have just said is a quite practical detail. It's, it's a structure of prayer. But maybe a better question for us to consider is this. If you pray, why do you pray? If you pray, why do you pray? (laughs) 
What do you think? If you are listening to this with somebody, why not share your thoughts together? If you are listening to it by yourself, why not speak to somebody about your answer? Maybe send them a message or an email. Why do you pray? If I had to answer that question with one answer, I would say the reason I pray is because I love God and I am loved by God. And because I love God and am loved by God, I want to talk to him and I want to hear from him. If the person I was speaking to when answering this question would give me the opportunity for a more extended answer, I might say something like this. Well, I come to God in prayer to thank him for who he is and what he has done. I also pray so I can get to know God, the creator of the universe. I pray because I want to see change and for God to act. I know that God hears us. We have that promise in scripture that God hears us when we pray. So if I see a situation, an event, a hurt, a need, a desire in someone's heart, I pray to see change. I pray to see change in different situations, situations I long didn't exist or didn't happen. Similarly, if I see someone hurting or in need, I pray because I want to lift that person or that need before God and call upon him to intervene and make a change. I also know that when I pray, I see a change within myself because when I pray, I become more aware of what God is saying to me and how I can become a more obedient apprentice of Jesus. I know that when I pray, I am comforted, encouraged, energized, and that changes me for the better, whether that change is just in the moment or long term. Both make a change in my life as a result of having a two-way conversation with God. When I pray, I'm seeking guidance, guidance over life, direction, family, work, church. And I also pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered afresh for the day or week ahead, intentionally asking engages our hearts and minds to what God is seeking for us in that moment, in that day, and to live that out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Two more questions, and this is your penultimate question for you to consider. Is prayer necessary? Is prayer necessary? People often ask me this about prayer. People will often say things like, well, if God knows what we are going to pray, why actually pray the prayer? Or, if God wants to do something, then why do we pray? Because God will either do it 
or not do it according to his will, regardless of our prayers? And you know what? These are really good questions, and they are touching on the theological concept of the immutability of God. In other words, can we as his children change God's mind in prayer? In other words, is prayer necessary? Well, the immutability of God is a long debated concept. And like all good theological questions, there is a both and as an answer, a a maybe and a maybe not. And to some extent, we just don't know. But I'm going to give you two examples for you to consider for yourself. In Genesis 18, right at the start of the Bible, Abraham prays to God to save a city. Now, God says that he will spare the city if he finds 50 righteous people in it. So Abraham continues the two-way conversation in prayer to God and boldly says, well, if you would save the city if you find 50 men, how about if we find 45 men? And God agrees. And then we see this conversation where Abraham goes back and forth again and again until the final number reaches 10 righteous people. So God says, well, okay, if 10 righteous people are found in the city, I will save it. Now, the question is, did Abraham change God's mind in prayer? Well, I mean, if you read Genesis 18, if you read that account of the two-way conversation, the back and forth, Abraham saying, well, if it was 50, can we go down to 45? Can we go down from 45 to, and so on, and so on, and so on. Well, it would seem like, yes. Did God's mind change? Well, seemingly, yes. Or, some would say that God wanted to engage Abraham in this way. And God always wanted to only find 10 righteous people. But God wanted Abraham to rely on him, seek him, plead to him. And God, through this dialogue, shows Abraham that he cares for him and that he wants to talk with him and that he listens and acts as a result of Abraham's prayers. Take this other example, and this is an example of Jesus. This is Luke chapter 18, verse 35 to 43, and it says this. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesse, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. 
Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So the blind man was calling out to Jesus. In other words, was wanting to have a two-way conversation with Jesus, God himself here on earth. The blind man was praying to God, have mercy on me, Jesus. Now, the way the account is told suggests that Jesus stopped and healed the man because the man called out to him. It was a consequence of the cry out to Jesus that got Jesus's attention. And if the man had stayed silent, well, would he have been healed? Would Jesus have stopped? Would Jesus have just walked by? Now, some may say yes. Some may say no. And whichever side you fit, take the point that God hears our prayers and responds. God heard the blind man calling out, have mercy on me. And the compassion in his heart dwelt up and out onto the man. Now, in both these biblical examples that we have looked at, both in Genesis with Abraham and with Jesus and the blind man, God responds as a result of prayer. The outcome might have been the same regardless of whether Abraham had prayed or the blind man had called out. But we don't see that in the accounts because what we see is Abraham praying and the blind man calling out to Jesus. So we see God's response as a result of prayer. John Wesley, who started the Methodist church, said this famously. God does nothing except in response to prayer. So, is prayer necessary? Well, John Wesley thinks yes. I also think yes. And this brings us on to our last question and really the main point of the podcast for today. Is prayer missional? Or put another way, do people come to faith in God through prayer? Consider that for a moment. Before we look at another passage of scripture, I want to tell you two stories. And these stories try to give an answer to that question. Is prayer missional? And the first story goes like this. Dr. Edwin Orr took a group of college students on a tour of John Wesley's house in 1940. Dr. Edwin and the group of college students looked around the house learning about John Wesley 
the founder of the Methodist movement, and how he had made such an impact. But at the same time, how dedicated to prayer John Wesley was. I mean, it's said in the house, John Wesley said, I have so much to do that I spend several hours in prayer before I am able to do it. The tour of this house and all the different things that were there to remember John Wesley, the tour ended and the group of college students got back on the bus. But one person was missing, a young man named Billy. Dr. Edwin searched the bus, around the bus, and went back into the house to find this young man, Billy, kneeling in one of the two places in that house which have impressions in the floor, where it's believed John Wesley prayed that much that physical marks were left by his knees. As John Wesley cried out to God for revival, to break out across the nation, and that people would come to faith in him. And as Billy was kneeling in those impression marks, he himself kneeling down in the same place that John Wesley cried out to God for revival. Dr. Edwin heard Billy cry out, O oh Lord, do it again. I wonder whether you know which Billy this story is a recount of. It is Billy Graham. The man who preached the good news of Jesus Christ to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in this land and around the world. Billy Graham started all he did, kneeling in prayer to God. Just like John Wesley, crying out, Oh Lord, do it again. Send revival across this land. May people here come to know of your love. Is prayer missional? Well, through prayer, Billy Graham saw hundreds of thousands of people come to faith in Jesus. And where did it start? On his knees. The second story is about someone called D.L. Moody. He had a famous list of 100 people that he knew that he would regularly pray for. These 100 people didn't know Jesus for themselves. D.L. Moody loved these people and he wanted them to know of the love Jesus had for them. So he did the most caring thing and loving thing that he could do. He prayed by name that they would come to know God. He said to God, would this person come to know you? Would you soften their heart, God? Would they see you? Would they meet you? And he left it to God. God to do the work in these people. These are 100 people who he prayed for. Who he knew God loves anyway. 
but who needed to see that for themselves. And over time, one of those friends of that list of a hundred came to know Jesus for themselves. Then a few more. Then a quarter of the list had come to know Jesus. Then half the list. And on Moody's deathbed, all but a few of this list of 100 had come into a relationship with Jesus for themselves, believing and trusting in him. And then D.L. Moody died. Not quite all those 100 people before D.L. Moody's death gave their life to Christ. But this is the amazing thing, because in the months after D.L. Moody's death, the last few remaining people on that list gave their lives to Jesus, putting their trust in him. So every single person on that list of 100 people that D.L. Moody prayed for over time was saved. Is prayer missional? Well, if you're not convinced yet, let's look at one further example. And really the ultimate authority we have in Jesus. I'm going to read to you Luke 6 verses 12 to 16. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, let's put this into perspective here. Jesus, the Son of God, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, prays to his Father in heaven all night before making one of the most important decisions of his earthly ministry. Who are going to be the 12 people that learn from me because they are following me, becoming like me, and going out and starting the first Jesus-centered communities and become the first leaders of the worldwide church. That is no small mantle on these men's shoulders. Now, the Bible passage doesn't say what Jesus prayed for, but I can guess that he is asking God the Father to guide him to make the right choice I think Jesus is praying that those 12 people who don't yet know who Jesus is, who have yet to put their ultimate trust in him, are faithful and serve Jesus well, and that they go out to proclaim the good news that Jesus brought. And after a whole night of prayer, seeking guidance from his father, he goes and chooses those 12 men. If I asked you the question, how much importance does Jesus place in prayer? I think we could answer that very clearly. Jesus prays. The one who has made a way for us to have a perfect and right relationship with God, he himself prayed for people 
prayed that people would be drawn to God to do a work in their life. The one who has transformed countless people's lives, the one who heals, the one who sets people free, the one who radically loves all. He prays, and I would contend to you that his prayers were missional prayers. God, enable me, is what I think Jesus would pray on that night. Enable me to choose the right people. Guide me to the people who will come to know of you, God, and your kingdom come here on this earth and start the first church. Jesus' prayers are missional prayers. God, would they come to know of who I am. Every day since Church Collective has started, I pray that I would meet someone who didn't know Jesus and that I could tell them about Jesus. Every day I pray for people I know here in Warrington who don't yet know Jesus for themselves, that they would come to know Jesus. And God, by his grace, has answered this prayer so many times. Firstly, I have regular conversations with people about Jesus. And secondly, we have seen people fall in love with Jesus because they see who Jesus is and all that he has done for them. And where did it start? By praying for opportunities and praying for people by name. Where did Jesus' ministry on earth start? In prayer. And in the account that we read some time into his ministry, missional prayers to choose those 12 people that would come to know him for themselves and put their trust in him. Where did it start for Billy Graham? It started in prayer. Where did it start for D.L. Moody? It started by listing 100 people that he knew who did not yet know Jesus. And all of them, through his prayers and others, came to know Jesus for themselves. Do we, here in Warrington and beyond, want to see this? Want to see a revival where there are so many people who are coming into a living relationship with Jesus? Do we want to see everyone in Warrington putting their trust in God, following Jesus as his apprentices, living sold out for Jesus in all things. Because I do. I want to see that here in this town and beyond. And if we want to see that, friends, it needs to start in prayer. Prayer is the foundation of our relationship with Jesus and is the grounding of all we do. I want to see Revival in this town. I want to see revival in our time. And therefore, I know I must get on my knees and pray. Now, friends, if you want to join 
us at Church Collective in times of corporate prayer. We pray together on Instagram Live every Monday evening at 8.15. And also we pray every Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m. on Zoom. And all that information can be found at churchcollective.uk forward slash prayer. But I would ask you, if you want to see people come to know Jesus, yes, we need to step out and be missional in the way that we live our lives. We need to be confident in telling people about who Jesus is, both in words and deeds. But friends, it all must start on our knees in prayer. Is prayer missional? It most certainly is. We invite everyone to play their part as we worship creatively, love generously and serve locally.